This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunes. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing well. I'm doing well today. And we were diving back into the season previews. We are about halfway through and we are on to the Memphis Grizzlies. And to talk Grizzlies, we have my friend uh, Mark King from the Locked On Grizzlies here today. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, taking the time, Mark. And we wanted to start with talking about last year a little bit. And for Memphis, I think it might have been a little bit of an emotional year moving on and the real end to the grit and grind era. So maybe if you can touch on that a little bit and then also being able to see a future mainly built around Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, you know, the the Grizzlies have the grit and grind era for the Grizzlies has been over for a couple of years now. Uh, just the way this style of play and the way they they've been uh, projecting the last few years with the um, Tony Allen and Zach Randolph such a few years ago. Um, you know, the Grizzlies tried to double down with, with Mike Conley and Marco Saul last year. They just, they just couldn't do it. You know, it's just a, a different team, uh, what they want to do. And, and Mike and Mark, it was just unfortunately time for them to move on. Uh, it was a difficult process for sure. I mean, Mike's been here for forever. Mark's been here forever. It's really the only, those two guys, are, the only franchise they've ever played for. And so it was definitely emotional. Uh, and, but, you know, I, I'm glad to see Mark go out there and go win a championship with the Toronto. That was really awesome to see. And hopefully Mike has a chance to do the same with the Jazz next year. I think most Grizzlies fans are rooting for those guys to, to do really well and, and hopefully, you know, win a championship. You know, and, and now for the Grizzlies, it's just time to look towards the future. I mean, they have a lot of young pieces this year. They got, as you mentioned, Jaron Jackson. They've got obviously John Morant that I'm too big in the draft. So, um, you know, there is a future to be seen built around John Morant, Jaron Jackson. Um, they just, they signed Jonas Valanciunas. It's not a young guy, but a, a younger veteran. So, um, there is, there is work to be done, uh, for sure with this franchise. They're going to be bad this year, but you can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. And aside from the, the final, uh, the final laps from Conley and Gasol, it did feel like the big story in Memphis last season was Jaron Jackson Jr., fourth overall pick. Had a, a very nice year, although it did end a little bit early due to some injury concerns. Uh, what were your impressions overall of the rookie? Uh, of Jaron, uh, Jaron is amazing. Like Jaron is, 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 is really, really much better than you think he is. Like, 
I was not a huge fan of the pick when it happened just because I was really preparing myself for a Luka Doncic uh, career in Memphis, and I didn't get it uh, because he was off the board before the Grizzlies got there. But they they made the right pick. Everybody agreed that's who you should have picked in that slot uh, at probably number four. I think that was a general consensus. And um, I was probably not a, a big fan of it, but uh, immediately, Jaron impressed me immediately. The things that he can do, even in summer league last year, the things that he can do that you just you just don't really – get to see if you don't watch him on a daily basis, if you don't watch him all the time, if you're not at practice. I mean, the little things like just passing in, you know, passing to another big man inside the post, you know, when he's, you know, passing in, in really tight spaces. I mean, he's, he's very, very good at that. He's very, very smart, I mean, really, really smart player. Um, and I think things, those kids really taken for granted. I mean, did, his ability to really honestly dribble from the three point line and drive all the way to the basket for a guy his size is, is underrated. And he's, He's amazing at taking guys off the dribble. It's something that I think a lot of players probably catches them off guard if you haven't seen them a lot, which there wasn't a lot of tape on that last year. Uh, more people will probably be looking at for that this year. But, yeah, he, he's a great player. He, he is a uh, – I think he'll be a future all-star. Yeah, I think aside from Doncic, he probably was the most complete rookie in their first year. And I'm curious if you think that they utilized him effectively. I think that he was very efficient and – uh, transition, but you were the slowest team in the league. It seems like it could be a little bit different this year. Do you feel like he's best used as a four or a five? He only had 28 pick and pop possessions last year. It feels like he would really excel in that way. Do you think that you're going to see him used a little bit differently this season? You know, JB Biggerstaff did not use any of the rotations correctly. JB Biggerstaff's not a good coach. Um, there was, there's no, uh, thing, it is nothing you can point to to tell me about Jimmy Bickerstaff was a good coach before they hired him. He wasn't a good coach when he got here. So, um, he used everybody incorrectly. He used a lot of people incorrectly. And that's unfortunate for Jim because, um, you know, I think given some situations, I think he could have done better, been more, been teacher a little bit more in the offense. They didn't, um, you know, they didn't use him as much, but he also, you know, a lot of that first season he had Mark Gasol there. And it's really, that's not really JB's fault. It's just, you know, you're going to want to highlight Mark Gasol and you want to, be the main him and Mike are going to be the main guys, and so um, it'll be interesting to see what um, what they do with Taylor Jenkins does with him this year. Obviously, new coaching staff, uh, everybody's new this year, and it's a whole basically total total rebuild. And so it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with him because he is he is the man, he is the man now, he is the focal point of this offense, and something that they didn't weren't able to do last year. You know, I think that's partly because JB didn't use him correctly and also partly because you just, you had Mike and Mark there and there's not much you can do when you have franchise stars that have been there for a decade and you know you're going to feature those players versus giving the, you know, giving the rookie the ball, let them go to work. But I think there were times when he should have done that. There were times where he was having good games. He should have just given Jaren the ball and gotten out of the way. So I think he was using it incorrectly at times last year and he also got hurt at the end of the year, didn't play the last few months. So. Um, I think he's going to take a good leap this year. I think he'll uh, hopefully – obviously, we don't know what Taylor Jenkins is going to do because he's never been a head coach before. There's nothing we can look to and nothing we can point at and say, okay, this is his style. Uh, but he does seem to want to play faster. He does want to get up and down the court um, from everything he said from what we've seen in summer league. So uh, that would benefit John Morant. Obviously, that would benefit Jaron Jackson Jr. greatly. So hopefully that's something they are able to transition to this year. Right. So a big part of last year as well was 
the 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 shopping of uh, I don't I don't want to use the word shopping maybe that's a little bit uh, crass but they the Grizzlies were definitely uh, trying to recoup as much value as they could uh, from their stars while finding the right situations for them and as you mentioned uh, definitely found the right situation for Mark but how did you feel about the return in both of those deals uh, you mentioned Valanciunas earlier but looking at Conley the Conley trade as well. To Utah, how do you feel that Memphis did there? The 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 Marcus Tall trade is, is, is probably as good as you're going to get, but you know, look at it realistically. Marcus Tall is an aging center um, who is kind of grumpy <laughs> uh, if he doesn't really get his way. He's an aging center. He's really not. Um, you know, he, his best years are behind him, um, and so to get what you can get from Marcus Tall, uh, obviously Jonas Valanciunas was a part of that. They got Delon Wright who. Uh, they chose to let go uh, in the offseason for, for a different point guard, and, and that remains to be seen What if, if that was a good decision or not, and I think time will tell on that. Um, but I think to get what you got out of Mark, I think is really, really helpful, and, and, and really, it's okay. It's, I think it's, it's as good as it's probably going to get. It's not great, uh, but it's as good as you're probably going to get. Now, Mike Conley, the trade for Mike Conley was, is, is just flat out, hands down, uh, a, a super great trade. I mean, if you look at Mike Conley, what they got from Mike Conley, they were able to get Grace now on a project, Jay Carroll, a veteran, a 2020 first round pick, which uh, the protections on that make that a pretty decent first pick, make it to where uh, they could potentially be bad this year. They got uh, 2019, uh, the 23rd pick in 2019 draft, which turned into Brandon Clark. They traded up for him. Um, they got Kyle Corver in that trade, which turned into Josh Jackson and a second round pick from Phoenix. They got they also a traded player exception, a huge traded player exception, which turned in to Andre Iguodala and a first round pick from Golden State Warriors. A, 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 a pick that's really, really far out there in 2024 when they could be potentially not great at all. So that could turn out to be a really, really good pick. And then there's there's no telling what Andre Iguodala is going to bring you because they might let him walk and then I'll be able to find something for Andre Iguodala on the roster. Jay Crowder, the same. Jay Crowder is a useful veteran player that will probably be traded midseason. So the the what you get from Mike Conley is still ongoing. I mean, you you still are getting stuff from that trade through other avenues. So um, they 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 hit that trade out of the park. Not get out of the park as best as much as I thought they were going to get something from them. That's way more than I thought they were going to get from Mike Conley because you still you got all those things and you're still continuing to see what happens. That 2020 first round pick in Utah. Who knows what that player might be? Same thing with that 2020 first round or 2024 first round pick in Golden State. Who knows what those players might be? So this it could turn around and you could look in, up and say, hey, this turned out to be an, an amazing trade with all the players they got from from just one player, Mike Conley. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, getting that 23rd overall pick and then trading up to the 21st the OKC had and only given up a 20, your own 2024 second to move up to that point and you snagged Brandon Clark who was just a really highly coveted asset fell probably further than he should have went on to win summer league MVP um but it feels like there's not the best spot for him on this roster right now. Where do you see him getting the opportunity? I know he was even coming out and saying he'd be willing to play the three. Uh, that doesn't feel like his ideal role. It felt like, you know, he sees a hole there. Uh, so how do you see this working with Valanchunas, Jaron Jackson, and Brandon Clark? Well, he's not a three. Uh, Brandon Clark is, is not a three in the NBA. Uh, and that would be 
shocked if he played any time at the three this year. Um, but he, you're right. He's an interesting player. I, I don't think you, you can't play Brandon Clark and Jonas Valanciunas together. Um, that's also a problem that neither one can really shoot. Um, I think Brandon Clark's biggest asset is what we saw a little bit in summer league. It's if he can find a way to consistently make a three ball and not even at a high clip, if he can just be, you know, be a Draymond Green where Draymond Green's got a great three point shooter, but he at least is a threat. You have to at least go out to him at the three point line. You have to, you know, make sure that he, you at least guard him. If that's something Brandon Clark can develop in his game, it will change the way he plays immensely. Uh, he will become, you know, a future, I guess, pick and pop four, stretch four is what Brennan Clark is probably going to be. Um, using him in situations where you really need to run the floor is to have, um, a, a lineup against you that you really is playing small where you can run Jaron the five and Brennan Clark at the four. You know, that's probably the future, uh, for that lineup. You know, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of playing Jaron at the five. Ever, I know there's a lot of talk of Jared being a center, but you know he reminds me more of an Anthony Davis type of player. Who, and quite frankly, Anthony Davis never never really played center. So, um, and I, I think that's just because he doesn't want to as well. But you know, I think that there are a lot of people that think or Jared's a five. I don't know if he really is ever, but I think you can get away in situations where you have a smaller lineup you're playing against with Jared the five, Brandon Clark at the four. You definitely can't, can't play Brandon and Jonas Valanciunas together. Just won't, it's just not co- cohesive unit. There's not enough offense, not enough shooting out there. So I think what you'll probably see him is when Jonas comes out early in the first, maybe something like that, and you, and you shift, uh, Jaren to the five and play Brandon at the four for that last two minutes in the, in the, um, you know, second, third quarter type of thing. Uh, and they still have to kind of show up the other big rotation as well, the Grizzlies do. So, that's probably where I see the most. Or again, if you have a lineup like where the Warriors play very, very small, that you're going up against with Jaron and Brandon with Brandon at the four and Jaron at the five. That's probably the most typical lineup. But there's a long way to go, I think, before you can really get there and use it effectively. Gotcha. I think that uh, personally, I feel that Jaron probably will end up a center when he is grown. I mean, the guy is just 19 and my. In the same way that I've been uh, rallying around how Bagley, Marvin Bagley, uh, the first round pick from the Kings last year, will end up a center. Uh, I kind of feel the same way. And not saying that that means that they're fives right now, but I I do see a lot of potential there. But um, moving on from that, I wanted to pick up on a couple names you mentioned uh, recently, uh, just when we were talking about some of those acquisitions, some of those trades. You mentioned Grayson Allen and Josh Jackson. And while I understand the excitement to some degree, uh, you know, Josh Jackson being a top 10 pick uh, and uh, Grayson Allen dropping 40 points last season, even in a a garbage game, essentially in a tank game, uh, there's potential on the court, I suppose. uh, But I do worry about character with, a couple of these guys, and they're not the core of your team, so I'm certainly not worried about it as far as affecting the the Memphis franchise. But, you know, I, I think that Grayson is notorious for being a bit of a dirty player, and Josh Jackson has had some concerns off the court. doesn't make them bad people or anything like that, but do you have any concerns about them, or, or are you excited about these guys? No, no I, I think the concerns are to be uh, are, are very real. Uh, with Grayson Allen, 
you know, to be quite honest, he is a player that has never shown us he can be a player in the NBA. I mean, to be very honest, there's we don't know the difference between Grayson Allen and, and Tyler Dorsey right now. Honestly, the only difference is the name and where Grayson Allen's come from and the expectations. But Grayson Allen has never shown anybody that can be a that he can be a player in the NBA. Um, and just doing, you know, doing knucklehead stuff is, is really, really concerning. Getting thrown out of summer league for Grayson Allen, which is, it's, it's hard to do. Um, if you go back and look at it, there's not a lot of people yeah. getting thrown out of summer league, but Grayson Allen somehow managed to do it. So yeah, that's concerning. Um, it's concerning for the Grizzlies, uh, on both those guys, Josh Jackson as well, somebody that has some problems, some personal issues that he's been through. Uh, so those guys are, are definitely, could be, you know, they have potential. They're project players. They are, they're what, uh, you, you deem a NBA project to the fullest extent of that term. And so what they'll happen, you know, what will happen this year is hopefully they'll get some time. And this year, the Grizzlies will be able to figure things out. They'll be able to see what they have in those players. And next year, Grayson Allen has a player option next year. If the Grizzlies decide they don't want to pick it up, they move on from Grayson Allen and, and it doesn't matter anymore. Um, same thing with, with, uh, Josh Jackson. These guys, uh, even if they want them just to go away for the year and they, they're causing trouble, the contracts are 1.2 million and Josh is, I think his is like 6 million. Um, but, but again, you want them to go away, just tell them to go away. It's, it's not a big deal. Uh, the money comes off the books in the offseason. They're both their player options. So you have ways out here. You have options at the end of the year to where if it's not working out, you can just move on with the franchise. And so it's a risk. Yes. But it's a calculated risk at the same time to where the front office knows if it becomes an issue uh, with a locker room full of young players, full of moldable minds, like Grayson Allen or Josh Jackson, they're being a douche in the locker room. They can just ask them to go away. They'll still pay them. They won't pick up their option. And it'll all be done at the end of the year. So I think it's a risk for sure. I think they, they both have problems with both issues. Uh, but at the same time, I think they probably, you know, there's some upside there. If they can figure it out, they both have potential. Uh, but if they don't, then they don't. The Grizzlies move on and no one's the wiser. Yeah. And I think that you are in a stage where you can take those risks because you're clearly in a full rebuild. It's not a win next year. Maybe, maybe a little bit the year after, maybe year after that with how tough the West is. Um, another player I'm curious about that you mentioned a little bit is Jay Crowder as potentially being a trade piece, but it really feels like you could use him on this team as a veteran presence and someone that can shoot the ball a little bit. I mean, it seems like you're lacking that a little bit, especially from some wings. He's a three and D guy and actually his shooting has fell off a bit too. But do you think there's a chance that he sticks around longer? I mean, he's also never played on a team that hasn't made the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think there's a real good chance that he's on the team at the end of the year. And I'll tell you why. You know, the Grizzlies are going to be bad this year. The Grizzlies are going to be very bad. I mean, I think we have them. Uh, we're doing our, 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 our schedule show right now, going through and picking wins right now in Locked on Grizzlies. And, you know, we, we have them winning like nine games in the first three months. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not great. Um, they're going to be bad. And so, uh, for someone like Jay Crowder, I think he's better off as a potential trade piece for the Grizzlies to go and, and potentially, uh, turn him into something else, maybe more, maybe a different project, maybe a different, uh, maybe another draft pick. Just, assets in general than having him on the team. I think that's worth more for the Grizzlies than having him on the team. They're going to need veterans, uh, but at the same time, uh, they're, they're also going to be really, really bad. So it really, honestly, this is kind of like a throwaway year for them. They, they're going to go out and figure some things out, find out what they have with different players. Um, at the end of the year, hopefully have some 
have some things to go on and, and some information that they didn't have at the beginning of the year. Um, someone like Jay Crowder, I think that he's more beneficial to you as an asset than he is actually being on the team because, you know, he's just going to be, he's going to be playing sure. Um, but for a really bad team and, and for what reason, you know, he, he's not, he doesn't want to play for a terrible team. Uh, you have to win. And so I think they're doing him a favor as well by probably, you know, he, he's like you said, he's a solid player, solid rotation, better player that can be good for a playoff team. And so I think you'll look up in, in January and the Grizzlies will have a piece that someone can add, uh, to their bench rotation that can, you know, really solidify their playoff, playoff race. And so I think he's probably better off as an asset long term for the Grizzlies because you look up next year and the Grizzlies have about, uh, $65 million in cap space. They have, uh, they have a couple, a couple of max slots, uh, they can go on and off with restricted free agents and maybe some guys that, um, I mean, that, well, I'm Malik Beasley from, from Denver, uh, that they, you have to make decisions on. And so maybe you could prize one of these good young free agents away and, and you can realistically look at next year, maybe making the playoffs. If you find the right pieces next, in the, in the next offseason, that starts with clearing some more money out and then Jay Crowder is part of that. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, We'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse. And we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it. And and thank you very much for listening. Yeah, it definitely feels like Memphis is a team that's going to be making moves all throughout the season. Uh, but you mentioned there this being kind of a throwaway year, just a year to to find what sticks, to focus on the future. But there is that looming pick heading to Boston. Uh, it is going to be protected one through six in the upcoming draft. Uh, and I know that this came up a little bit in this most recent draft, in the 2019 draft, because Memphis was kind of on the bubble there where if they hadn't have moved up, it was possible that they gave up that first round pick to Boston uh, does do you have any concern, or or does it feel like Memphis almost wants to purposefully tank, stay within that one to six, and and then get that maybe that third stud piece to go with uh, Triple J and John Morant? You know, I, I, it's it's a topic of conversation that we'll have all year long on Lockdown Grizzlies, and it's something that people will talk about. Um, I, I don't think it's something where you you got to go out and say, "Hey, look, we're we're gonna we're gonna tank. We're gonna be very very bad." Um, I don't think that's something they should be doing. I think they should go out and, and try to win basketball games. So they should go out and and try to teach these young players how to win. You know, learning how to win is a very real thing in the NBA. Learning how to finish games is a very real thing in the NBA, and they should they should try to teach them that. That's what this year is about. It's about learning. It's about developing young players, becoming better. 
And so you brought in Jeff and try to do that. At the same time, I don't think it's going to matter because they're going to be so bad. It, it, it won't matter. They're going to be, you know, top four probably anyway. Uh, even if they go out and try to win every game, they'll probably try to, they'll probably lose a lot more than they win, obviously. So, um, I think you go out and you just, you just do what you can do. Again, develop the young players, um, using the teaching moments, all those things you would, you expect in a season like this. And you probably look up in, in March and you're probably in, in one of the worst teams in the league and you're probably going to finish top six anyway. And, and then, and as you mentioned, next year, it's an unprotected, unprotected pick to the Boston Celtics, but hopefully, like you mentioned, if you get a top six pick, you get another a third stud to go with your uh, with your young core. This in this draft, you go out maybe you sign some restricted agents to match contracts in next year's summer, and maybe that Boston pick in, in the next year it doesn't matter. Maybe you're making the playoffs and it's a twenty, you know, their twenty fifth pick, and it, it doesn't even matter. And so that's that's the hope. That that is the uh, that's the plan and the hope and the idea with this franchise is that you maybe you get a really good pick in, in this come up, come, upcoming year's draft to make that unprotected first round pick in Boston two years from now, not really matter anymore. Yeah. It's very reminiscent of, of what the Kings did. Same thing going to Boston or eventually ending up in Boston as well there. I think the Grizzlies are on the right path in order to have that core. Like Rich said, I mean, one more guy uh, feels like it would top it off. And also like we touched on Brandon Clark, another young guy that's interesting that ended up missing a lot of this year, only played 18 games is Dylan Brooks. He's only 23 years old. He played in all 82 his rookie year, 28 minutes per game as well. Uh, what are you expecting back from him? Do you think that, do you expect him to have a fairly healthy year? I know that's a little hard to judge. And it seems like there's potential he could be your starting two here as well, right? Yeah, Dylan Brooks, uh, he played every game as, as rookie season. So, I mean, there, there's, you know, there's not a lot, a whole lot of injury history. Uh, with him, um, last year, second year, he obviously had trouble with that, but, you know, there's not a, like a real long history of him being hurt. You know, he played a lot of Oregon as well. So, um, yeah, he's going to be, uh, he's going to definitely have to step up. You know, he, this is the year where Dylan Brooks is half going to have to make a leap. Um, in his first year, he, he made a big transition from the beginning of the year to the end of the year in his shooting, the way he shot the, the ball from the, uh, behind the arc. So he went, he went from a mediocre to a pretty, you know, above average three point shooter in that first year. So, Hopefully you want to see him take that next step as well. You want to be able to see him to be a reliable uh, two guard in the league. Now, I don't know if his long-term – I don't know if long-term – if Dylan is a starting two guard in this league, I think he's probably someone in a playoff team. He's probably more of a six-man or a seventh, eighth-man-off-the-bench type of player, but could be come in and be a 3-and-D type of player. That, I think, is what Dylan Brooks ultimately is in the NBA. But for this team, for the Grizzlies, um, he'll probably be the starting two guard. He'll probably, uh, or maybe, uh, you know, we put him at the wing on the three ish on some occasions as well. But hey, right off the bat, probably be your starting two guard. And uh, again, he's going to have to show he, he makes a leap from, from, you know, year one to year three. He missed last year, obviously, but continuing improving the three point shooting for him is something that he'll have to really work on. And that's what they need him to do. And um, his defense is really good. He's a really good defender. So, um, he's good there, but continuing his offensive ability, you know, he's already able to uh, really make a play on the ball, but being to being able to run off the ball, screen, shoot the three pointer, that's that's something where he'll need to improve and continue to improve to really stay in this league long term. So the Grizzlies made a couple other small moves, um, some some money moving, uh, some money shifting moves that. 
we don't really need to get into too much, but the last significant thing that happened for them this offseason was kind of this rotating door of restricted free agent guards where they uh, let Dillon Wright go, or you could say traded him in the sign-and-trade, but uh, it, it, you know those sign-and-trades are tricky to, to really grasp how exactly to be to perceive that, but then they brought in Tyus Jones uh, somewhat as a replacement. He's a younger guy, uh, but doesn't have the size that Daylon has. Uh, what did you think about this swap? I'm kind of viewing it as one for one, even though it wasn't direct like that. But how do you view losing Wright and adding Jones? Well, Delon Wright's a better player than Tyus Jones. It's really that simple. Um, there is no way around that. Delon Wright's a better playmaker. He's a bigger person, a bigger guard. Can defend, can guard one through three. Um, can pass just as almost as well as Tyus can. So. Uh, Delon can do a lot of, a lot of things that, uh, the Tyus can do. Now, the Grizzlies decided that Tyus Jones and that, and second round pick was worth more than just Delon, right? And so that's ultimately what you have to, you have to figure out is, is Tyus Jones plus assets worth more than just Tyus, you know, just Delon, right? And that's decided with, with the, with the former. So, um, I have, a, I tend to disagree. I tend to think that, uh, um, someone that is not really an old player is 26 years old. Um, you know, Tyus is a little bit younger, so maybe that's, you take that into account. Um, but I tend to think that DeLon Wright's a better player, a better playmaker, a better defender. Uh, you can play DeLon Wright and John Morant together. I'm really, really unsure if you can play John Morant and Tyus Jones together. There's, there's not a whole lot of shooting out there. I mean, Tyus Jones is not a great, great shooter at all. I mean, it doesn't really shoot, period. And so Tyus Jones relies on other people around him to make him better. Um, but if those people around him, are Kyle Anderson, who doesn't shoot three balls, and Dylan Brooks, who remains to be seen, and Jonas Valanciunas, who's not really a shooter. So, like, well, what what's your what's your options there? So, if you're if the people around Tyus Jones aren't good playmakers or shooters, what does that make Tyus Jones? And so, I, I think that you know, ultimately, they decided the assets were, were worth more than that. But it remains to be seen what will happen with Tyus Jones, whether you grade that out as a good trade or a bad trade, or however you want to do that, or letting Tyus. Letting Delon Wright walk, however you want to say it, but um, I, I think Delon Wright's a better player. I, I think I think it was a mistake. I, I, I know that second round picks are assets and they're worth money and, and all this other stuff, but uh, you know I think long term, he's not like Tyus Jones or it's not like Delon Wright was a 32 year old guard that they let walk was a veteran player. He's a young guy, um, and and I think they just didn't probably want to pay him as much money and they could get Tyus Jones a little bit less money. And so there's there's a lot of moving parts there, and so. And I, I don't know if it's, I know I always say this on my show that it's not necessarily wrong. It's just different. It's just a different way to go about it, um, to get maybe to the same end result in the future. Um, but we'll see what Tyus Jones can do. If he comes out and he starts to, to really be an offensive play, playmaker, then maybe that's different, but I just don't see him making this huge leap into this year where he's, in the previous years has done something completely different. I don't, I don't, you know, there's always an average for a reason, you know, over four years of what Tyus Jones has done. So uh, I just don't see him making that huge jump. And I don't know if you could play John Morant and Tyus Jones again. I don't see that happening at all. And so it will be interesting to see what they do for sure. Um, and you'll uh, hopefully, that, I think they definitely should try it out. Obviously it's a season where it doesn't matter. This is the season to do it. If you're going to do it any season. Try it out. See what see what you see what happens with Tyus Ty, and John out there together. You never really know. And so again, I think it is not necessarily the wrong move. 
to, to let DeLon Wright go and have Tyus Jones in. It's just a different way to go about it. And the way you ultimately view assets plus a smaller contract. And, and, and to be honest, DeLon Wright, he, he wanted to be a starter. He didn't want to be a backup to John Ramp. He didn't want to be, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be a starter. And I think that's probably what he'll be doing in Dallas. And so, um, and it's interesting. So it, it only time will tell, you know, those type of things where it's kind of, you know, like you said, almost one for one. You never really, you know, only time will tell in those trades really who got the better end of the deal. Yeah, and I've previously talked about how much I like Tyus Jones. I completely agree with you. I think DeLon Wright's a better player, um, and you're getting some assets back. So to- get what you're saying. It's not a terrible fall off or anything. Another guy that interests me, though, plays the same position as Tyus Jones and Morant, is DeAnthony Melton. And I think he can play next to Morant probably better than Jones can because of that long wingspan. It feels like he can guard twos. Um, do you see him being able to really crack this rotation? I mean, you're going to have a lot of opportunity to try out different things since you're not exactly completing for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. James and Melton's got a, got a chance to really make an impact here. I mean, they, they gave up Javon Carter um, and second-round pick for DeAnthony Melton, someone that they liked in that same draft. DeAnthony Melton a little – I think he went a few spots um, ahead of Javon Carter behind. I don't, it was around the same around the same spot in the same draft as Javon Carter. So, uh, for them, they, they got a pick and, honestly, quite frankly, got – they got a second round pick and got a guy they liked better than Javon Carter. So, um, and, and he was better than Javon Carter. Javon Carter is not good at basketball. Uh, he got all kinds of chances last year. He couldn't, couldn't do it. So, I, you know, you know, Anthony Melton is a project. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of projects on, on this, on this team for the business. There's a lot of players out there that, yeah, it's got some potential. We don't really know, but I think you're right. Anthony will have the opportunity to show what he can do. Maybe he's the type of player. I think you're probably. Hitting on some good stuff that he's the type of player that probably played better with John Morant than maybe Tyus Jones can. So he'll definitely have this opportunity. He'll definitely have a shot. Um, we probably see a lot of time with the hustle. There's the, the, the G League team here in Memphis, but, um, I think he'll have a shot with the, with the main club. And, and I think he'll, he has got the potential. You know, he's got the idea of D'Angelo Milton is a good, is a good player, but it's like the same thing with Grace now. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to, we don't know what they're going to do, but. Um, the potential is there, and I think he'll get the time to show it. So we usually like to ask our guests if they can identify any players that they feel will take a big step forward or a big step back. And I think that we can kind of take Jaron Jackson Jr. off the board here. It's a little bit too obvious that he's going to make a big improvement next year, just being the nature of uh, a, a young star player in his second season, but any other sleepers you have here, either to improve significantly or to regress? Well, you guys know we, we traded for Miles Plumley, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that, that would be my sleeper. No, I'm joking. Um, you know, someone that you could probably look to improve a lot um, would probably be a name that probably most people don't recognize, but for the Grizzlies, I think Bruno Caboclo is a guy that I'm putting some money into. Put some stock oh. into Bruno Caboclo. Oh, really we know him well. We know him well out here <laughs> in Sacramento. He yeah, is, uh, I mean, he, yeah. he had some flashes last year. I think, I think he, I think he might be putting together. I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously, there's still a lot, long way to go, but for him, I, you know, it's all relevant, you know, taking a big step forward for, 
you know, John Morant is way different than taking a big step forward than Brett, you know, for Bruno Caboclo. So uh, it's all relative, but I think, I think he could be a, a serviceable, serviceable rotation player. And that's, and that's something that's all, that's all you need. I mean, if you, if you end up getting a, a rotation player out of someone like Bruno, then me, you've won. You, you call it a win. Um, on this team, I mean, people that are regressing, it's going to be, people are going to uh, be shocked, but it's going to be Jonas Valanciunas. Um, you know, Jonas Valanciunas came to this team and basically shot 20, you know, scored 20 points a game, 10, 10 rebounds a game. Uh, people are in love with Jonas Valanciunas. I love Jonas Valanciunas. I think he's a great player. He's a funny dude. He's, he's great to talk to. Uh, but at the same time, it is purely uh, analytical. Um, he, he took a ton of shots in it last year, but uh, Kyle Anderson did, wasn't playing. John Morant wasn't there. Jaron Jackson wasn't playing. Um, there was a, there was Dylan Brooks wasn't there. So there was a lot of injuries at the end of that year last year where people expect Jonas Valanciunas to come in and do the same thing. And it's just frankly not going to happen just because of the simple mathematical, just the way it shakes out. I mean, uh, Jaron Jackson is going to take some of the shots he had. John Morant's going to take some of the shots he had. Kyle Anderson, who hardly never, hardly ever shoots, still going to shoot at least once or twice a game. Uh, same thing with Dylan Brooks. So that lion's share of what Jonas Valanciunas and what made him so good uh, last year, you know, scoring the ball like crazy, it's just not going to happen this year. People are going to be really surprised and think something's wrong with Jonas, but it's just going to be the fact that other people are back that are taking shots. Yeah, I totally see that. Um, and we want to get into the starting lineup a little bit here. Uh, keep going with the Valanchunas thing. Do you feel like he's a lock to be a starter? Yeah, yeah. Day one, he'll he'll probably start at center, uh, and Jan will probably start alongside him as the other big there. Okay, and then I would guess Morant as a lock as well. But then, who feels like the two three? I would probably have a safe bet again. Like you said, John Morant. I would probably uh, safe bet at Dylan Brooks and and Kyle Anderson as the two and the three, and. and the, the only three, the, the only the one that probably is a foot popper is probably maybe three. Maybe you do Jay Crowder instead of Kyle. That wouldn't surprise me either. Um, that's probably the only position that I think you can um, probably sub out, and I don't think it really. You know, you probably be right either way. Either one could happen, Kyle or Jay Crowder. But um, I think that's uh, you know Dylan Brooks is your probably lock to start at two. Um, the, the the wing spot probably the only one up for debate. Yeah. So not. A hugely inspiring group for the present moment. Certainly a ton of excitement uh, with your your big man and your guard combination of Jaw and Triple J. But for this year, probably not going to do a ton in terms of wins. The over-under that we have down here uh, from the Vegas sites is about 27 wins. Does that feel – does 27 feel – High or low, or are you were you going over or under on that? Twenty seven feels about right. Um, you know, it, it it I would probably take the under to be honest with you. Uh, if I were if I were betting, um, which I am, um, <laughs> so I'd probably take the under. But twenty seven feels about right. If they got to thirty, it would it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, I think anything above thirty thirty one would be would be a surprise for sure. Uh, yeah, and at one point, uh, we we want to talk about looking a little bit further ahead into the future. Like when Rich said, it starts to get a little bit brighter. But next year, 2020-21, you guys are going to have $50 million upwards. And you mentioned throwing some money at restricted free agents. 
if the Kings were to not agree to an extension with Buddy Heald, would you be willing to offer Buddy Heald a max contract of about four years, 130? You know, it's, it would be an interesting take for sure. I, I, don't, I don't know if it, I mean, uh, I think you start other places. I'll be, I'll, let, me, let, me, let me start there. I think you start other players, uh, other places. I think you start with someone like Malik Beasley, who I think is probably a better player, maybe on the same line as you, but I think you maybe start there. Um, again, someone like that that has clearly already established um, he is not the future. Um, they, they gave their other guard and blanket blanket on their name. The other guard, a big payday this offseason. And so, Jamal you know, Murray. He's clearly not the future. Jamal Murray, yes. They gave Jamal Murray a ton of money. So they, they're clearly t- hitching a rock on Jamal Murray. So, like, I think you start there. Um, but I don't think, you know, someone like Buddy Hill is out of the realm of possibility. I don't know if he's a max player, but, um, they always, you always say, I don't think he's a max player, but there's only, it only takes one team to go out there and give them what, you know, give them what they're asking for and set the market value. And so that's it's sort of like, you know, Mike Conley a few years ago, and he got a max deal, and everybody says he's not a max point guard. So somebody was going to give him that max money. That's what it took to keep him. Somebody was going to give him the money. And so um, I probably wouldn't give Buddy Hill max money, but at the same time, there are other, you know, there are 29 other teams out there that that be willing to part with that money. There's going to be, there's a lot of teams that are going to have a lot of cap savings next year because a lot of these 2016 deals that were bad, bad deals, uh, coming off the books next year, a la Chandler Parsons, Miles Plumley, all these deals that are really bad are coming off the books next year. So, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of cap space. So it wouldn't shock me if someone gave, someone gave Buddy Hill. I don't know if I would love, I would like Buddy Hill, but I don't know if I would like him in max money. Yeah, fair enough. And, uh, Kings fans are certainly hoping that they, hoping that not a lot of teams are going to pursue him at that rate. The Kings would love to have him at really anything less than the max would be certainly helpful. Uh, you know, 20 points per game guy shooting 43% from three, one of the best shooters in the league. Uh, there are questions on defense and all that, but, uh, you know, I think the Kings feel pretty much locked in and need to retain all their positive players at this point going forward. But uh, moving on from that, we'll get to the last question we got for you regarding the Grizzlies. We, we asked you about next season, but we want to see if you could predict or project a little bit further down the road. You've got a couple center pieces, a couple uh, cornerstones to your franchise in place. So how are you thinking that this team is going to perform three or four years down the road? Or, or maybe more specifically, how many years until the Grizzlies are back in the playoffs? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think you, you realistically have a – Potential. I mean, if you go out and make the right moves, which this far, this new front office that the Grizzlies have this year have, have clearly uh, shown they can do. I mean, they've made a lot of fantastic deals. They've been a lot really proactive. Like you mentioned earlier, they're going to go out and be proactive in this season. Take on bad contracts. They know this is a loss season. They're going to do all they can to, to get assets. Um, so I think you can realistically say if they might, if, if they make the right moves, if if they do get a top, you know, two, three pick in the draft and they're able to lure some free agents here next year, you know, it all, obviously there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of if, but if all those things going well, I think you can look at your back in the playoffs next year. I think you can, you can be a good team next year. And I think for the West, it's, it's, as you guys know, it's, it's really not sometimes about you. It's about the other people around you. There's just so many good teams that they can be a great team next year and win 45 games and still miss the playoffs. And so, um, 
that that that's that's the probably the, the downside of of answering this question of when you can get back to the playoffs in the West because it's so difficult. It's not only you that you, you know that you have to worry about. It's everybody else that is constantly getting better in the Western Conference that are that are already good and are constantly getting better. But again, I think if you if everything breaks right, and obviously that's a lot of a lot of things that have to break right for you to be able to get back next year. But if everything went the way it should and went the way you, hopefully it should, I think it's realistic you could you could be a playoff team next year, and, and you could say that and and not get laughed at. Yeah, you got the right pieces moving forward. It's definitely, you've committed to the rebuild, which some teams don't fully do, and that hinders them a bit. So at least you're doing it the the quote-unquote right way. Um, but that's all we have for you, Mark. We want to give you an opportunity to plug yourself at the end here, you know, the, the Locked On show you do. And I know you're actually working on a documentary I saw pinned to the top of your Twitter as well, right? Yeah, so uh, my, my actually my trade by... My career is I'm a, a, a videographer, filmmaker, so um, that's what I do for a living. That's what I paid to do. Although I love talking about the Grizzlies and I love doing lockdown, but that is what I get paid to do. So yeah, we're working on a documentary film. Uh, hopefully it'll come out in December. It's about Memphis basketball, so uh, it's on my Twitter page. My Twitter is at King underscore producer. And, and if you're, I know you're, you probably have a lot of Kings fans, but if they ever want to, wherever want to find out about the Grizzlies, they can go lockdown Grizzlies and with an Apple iTunes subscribe and. And uh, and listen to the show, or they can just download and not listen. Doesn't really bother me. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, we encourage everyone to uh, cook the books. We had a guest on uh, Justin Rowan, uh, who covers the Cavaliers, who said you got to get on there and cook the books, get those downloads, get those ratings, <laughs> yeah. because everybody Absolutely. else is doing it. So if you're not doing it. You're going to be behind the eight ball. Um, and uh, we absolutely endorse that because we know that you create a good quality product, good content, and uh, we feel the same way. So uh, everyone go check out Mark's podcast. Uh, follow him on Twitter at King underscore producer. And thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the show. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Yep, thanks, Mark, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. You will hear from us again in a couple days.